Hello, all my buddies. This week we read The Adventure of Charles Augustus Milverton, the short story that introduced England and the world at large to the WWE, the Watson Wrestling Entertainment <laughs> Network. The game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final podlum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that knows what you did, but is willing to part with the evidence for a very reasonable price. And that price is one episode's worth of your time. I'm one of your hosts, C.W. Hills, and as always, I am joined by the co-host voted most likely to be essential to an up-to-date burgling kit. That's me, Nicholas Cohen. Uh, I've definitely burgled multiple houses, and so this story is... Uh... I'll be the fact checker on this story yeah, to you see how accurate here. it is. Uh, despite having done no research, you did all the research this time, actually. You're our resident burglarman. Yep. I cannot wait to hear what you had to research. I've got... Uh, oh, there was so much to research! <laughs> and, it, like, that sounds that sounds like I'm way in the episode depth, but no, like, I love it when there are things for me to look into. If we sound a little rusty, listeners, it's because it's been a little while since we've recorded. Some big things have happened. Nick now has the strength of five five-year-olds, and I had my very first surgery ever. They took my lungs, and I'll be getting my gills in six to eight weeks. Oh, boy. So, those metal lungs are sounding great, by the way. Thank you. They're, yeah, I, I, I tried. To, I tried to upgrade them to try to get some platinum lungs. I was not prepared for that joke. Woody repartee. When I was writing that down yes. at work, it never occurred to me. I finally beat Casey at something. Jokes. Yes, you've become the master. All right, Nick. Lee, why don't you? Why don't you lead it? Okay, this episode, this 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 book, this story. I mm. there's a lot to like. I like a lot about it. There okay, are parts good. of it that are very dissatisfactory to me, mm-hmm. but I am also aware that that's probably a result of my standpoint with regard to how franchises work and okay. and kind of the way I have been taught by our culture in the last twenty years or so uh, to experience media. Mm-hmm. So. We're gonna get into that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take it in a minute here. But there, okay. once again, I think Arthur Conan Doyle has found just the way he opens stories now, which is basically this happened a long time ago, and I couldn't tell you people because reasons, and also mm-hmm. I probably wasn't married at the time. So, and that's <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, and then we're basically. just off to the races. So what what happens first? All right. Uh, so basically, it opens with. Uh, the introduction of the character of Charles Augustus Milverton, who is, I think he's described as like the worst man. Oh, the king of all blackmailers. The worst man no, in London is someone else. Yeah, Holmes, um, <laughs> no, Holmes does. Holmes calls him the worst man in London. Um, yeah, this guy is, uh, Holmes already knows him. He's just a terror, basically. He's a huge, he's the blackmailer. Yeah. And he's currently blackmailing someone who is their client, Lady Eva Blackwell. Yes. And he, and she shows up and, uh, uh, has Holmes uh, introduces her case to him, and uh, she's being blackmailed. She's about to get married, yada yada. She wrote a couple of letters to this guy. Um, they weren't that spicy, but they were enough apparently to get this guy, you know, uh, to not want to marry her. Uh-huh. And Holmes is like, "All right, you know, sure, I'll I'll look into it." And then Milverton himself shows up yeah. at Holmes's house, and it gets and that scene is fantastic because it, it escalates. Dicey. So quickly, it like really so does. quickly. Zero like he walks in, he walks in, they start talking, and then suddenly, like 
Melvish's like, I have a gun, and Holmes is yeah. like, it's okay. Watson right, bar the door. And, let's yeah. let's break this down a little bit yeah, because because let's... this 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 really is. I I thoroughly enjoyed nine tenths of this story. Okay, <laughs> so Holmes and Watson come home from a long night. They see a card on their table. Uh, Holmes lights a lamp, and, and and a literal calling card is on the table. Mm. Holmes picks it up, and here I quote from the text: "Yeets it out of his life." <laughs> yeah. Now this is this is my first my first point of research here. So calling cards or visiting mm. cards were specifically used for exactly these circumstances. When yeah. you when you come to call upon someone, they're not home, you would leave one for them. So like this is in fact nowhere near as sinister <laughs> as it it's seems. Victorian to- voicemail. And it is in fact very good manners. So mm. I think that's a cultural thing, first and foremost. Uh, I learned a lot about these surprisingly interesting history. They were popularized in the 1600s in France because it was Europe. There, uh, there developed an elaborate code of etiquette, which is just my jam. Um, I wasn't able to find too many notes on it, but a card left with a tweaked corner at someone's house indicated that it was left by the caller themselves and not by a servant. And how oh. wild is that? That you lived That's in a cool. world where you're like, now how do I make sure Nick knows that I left this here and not that I sent Denmark J. Cat with it in an adorable <laughs> envelope around his neck. They started off as just little, uh, like little calling cards, like we would think of them like business cards, and indeed mm. they stayed that way in England, but they eventually evolved into wee postcards with pictures on one side and space for a message on the back. If ever you are in the mood, uh, for real nightmares, go ahead and search <laughs> like, Victorian Christmas cards and postcards because they had not yet learned how to modulate the medium and so there are like frozen children being eaten by bears I'm not making this up it's it's oh so good oh my gosh yeah no Victor- some Victorian art is straight up terrifying messed up stuff but <laughs> the, the point is you would leave your card at someone's house uh, to tell them that you had come a calling on them and only if they sent a card back would you be expected to visit if they did not send a card, or they sent a card by envelope instead of by person or by servant, a visit was actively discouraged. That was just saying, nah, miss me with this. So the fact that Charles Augustus Milverton, to whom the card belongs, mm-hmm. left that and said, just plain says on the card, hey, I'm a come a callin' at 6.30, is at once extremely polite and also a huge breach of etiquette, showing I'm the one in charge here. I'm deciding yeah. when we're meeting in your house without right. your knowledge or consent. right. And I like this device that Doyle uses surprisingly frequently, actually, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. when Holmes, who we are given to understand is, is a consummate badass genius professional, is suddenly terrified of someone or mm-hmm. is suddenly deeply impressed. He calls him the worst man in London and says, essentially, seriously, fuck that dude. But yeah. no, yeah, I invited him over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's 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 a complicated thing going on. But yes, uh, it is about Lady Eva Blackwell, a debutante shortly to be wed. Um, has contacted Sherlock to recover a, a brace of rashly sent letters, uh, the contents mm-hmm. of which, as you noted, are... Well, they're not caliente, precisely. Holmes actually <laughs> specifically says that, that they're... What did he call them? Imprudent, I think. Yeah, something like know. that, yeah. And and so Holmes has been hired uh, basically as a negotiator, which is hilarious in and of <laughs> itself, <laughs> if you think about it. The real point here is that Milverton shows up um, and it occurred to me as I was doing the research for it, that this is uh, the story that one of the BBC episodes was uh, yes. based yeah, on. Yeah, do- he does show up. Yeah. Yeah, which was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But we get some serious... Out of character is serious business. And I feel like Doyle does repeatedly do this thing where he tries to 
demonstrate that uh, the villain of the week is the most terrifying person we've ever seen by virtue right. of how how strangely Sherlock acts towards them. So Milverton shows up, and he is there's a trope term uh, affably evil, which mm. is where uh, a great example that would ring true for you would be um, DS 9s Gul Dukat, who oh, yeah. is yeah, he is firmly the oh, bad guy. He yeah, he looks intimidating somewhat, like just with how tall he is. But other than that, yeah. he's always smiling. He's he appears very friendly. He yeah. uses a lot of like, please, thank you. Yeah, like time. He's very. He presents himself as a very like, I want people to like me kind of person. Yeah. But he is pure evil, like to the core. He is, and yeah, this guy definitely has that vibe. Well, that's the as thing. well. What's interesting there is Gold Ducat is evil largely as a matter of his perspective and his goals. His goals are understandable. You can sympathize with him to an extent. Like you're mm. not gonna, you know. But he's he's an understandable quantity. Uh, yeah. Charles Augustus Milverton is faux-affable evil, which is when someone thinks they're being charming and uh, is, in fact, clearly showing that they just have a heart of blackest night tar, uh, to right. which, for a quality example, I would direct you to either Jafar from Aladdin or the White House. So, um, Milverton <laughs> yeah. shows up and he offers Sherlock a handshake. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock, in an unprecedented dismissal of protocol just straight no sells it just like mm. nah just, just mm. cold, cold ignores it and that's huge because Sherlock has always conducted himself professionally in the context of his clients he gave the king of bohemia a receipt for discretionary funds yeah <laughs> and now and now he's just i, I don't know the, the point is great pains are gone to to establish that this is the real business that something is very serious here. Mm. So that's, that's my first bit of rant gone on. Uh, go on. Tell us more about what happens. I think what does he, it does it say that, I mean, you assume that Holmes has had dealings with him before. Yeah. Um, he's interacted with him before. So I guess it's kind of, it kind of makes sense that he would refuse a, it does. Th- th- I guess it's kind of implied that they've interacted at some point. They know yes. who each other are. Yeah. It's, so... a, it's a case. It's a case of uh, what storytellers call remember the new guy. Which is which is where we're supposed to assume that these characters have some huge backstory, and yeah. it, it, it that's honestly one of my problems with this story is that mm-hmm. this is Milverton is such a great character. This is such a great setup, and I could have done with like a whole novel length story about this, right? And about and I mean, ha- actually, when they do the um the Jeremy Brett episode about this, it yeah. is an hour long versus the half hour format. Okay. Like they really felt like it deserved a whole. Right on. And they made okay. it into like a movie, a TV movie. Right. So yeah, there absolutely is enough content for Yeah, there's just there's so that. much meat with this character. It's just because it's a short story format, it kinda you think maybe sabotages it a little bit by just having such an interesting dude. Yeah. It disservices the character he tries to make Milverton be. Because it says in the very beginning that the only reason Watson is able to speak to this is because the the principal party concerned is quote beyond human law. Uh, it does not make mention of whether he is still culpable to ape law, moon law, or indeed Jude law, but it's it's made clear that he's a, he's a oneer character, right? Like yeah. we're not going to see this cat again, which I feel like is a real missed opportunity. It yeah, he's blackmailing Lady Ava Brackwell. Is it Bra- Brackwell or Blackwell? It's Blackwell, yeah, Blackwell for uh, seven thousand pounds. Seven thousand pounds, nineteen oh four, and welcome mm. back to Casey's currency conversion corner, where we right. all find <laughs> which is becoming a regular thing now. <laughs> well, it's it's important content. It is it is relevant, yeah, to this, yeah, yeah, because he's um, he's blackmailing her for these letters 
for seven thousand pounds uh, in nineteen oh four monies, which in twenty nineteen monies would be eight hundred and forty four thousand pounds, which would be one point five million damn dollars. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why she exactly. couldn't afford that now? Yeah, well, <laughs> and Sherlock Sherlock points out that there is no version of events in which she could even be to pull that kind of money together right. it's impossible but yeah. then milverton is acting like oh i don't see why like she could act as she could ask her friends to give her some money she could like he, as, he's a just as a wedding present as a wedding present the wedding she is saving by paying him not to release the letters that would scuttle it and that's that's honestly what pushes him into like full trump territory because mm. he's can and he consistently asks uh acts rather like none of this is his fault he acts like it's oh, just yeah. it's just a series of things that are set up and oh isn't this unfortunate? Well, you know, you could pay your money and then nothing bad would have to happen mm-hmm. and wouldn't that yeah. be better for everyone? He's like, I, I don't get it. I'm just doing my job. Sherlock says reasonably, like when you're at a hotel, that <laughs> surely some monies would be better than none monies. And if he pulls this trigger, he's not going to get any money from her. And this is the bit in which we begin to really see, like, what a terrifying villain he has the capability to be. There's another trope term called a Xanatos Gambit, the basic point of which is that it is not that the villain has set up specific win conditions that depend on the hero or other parties doing whatever. It is that the villain has set up events so that he wins no matter what could feasibly happen. Yeah. And and this is what Milverton points out, that, like, he doesn't really care if she pays the money or not. Because even if he doesn't get the money from her, the social fallout from this incident will trigger, like, three other cascade effects, which mm-hmm. will net him. Yeah, it'll, it'll scare all the other people he's got blackmailing into, exactly. like, his, they'll be like, oh, this guy's serious, he actually will do it. We had better pay him. So yeah. it's, it's a terrifying notion, mm-hmm. and it also begs the question, like... If he could get just as much money from doing or not doing one thing, it's not about the money. Right. It's It kind of implies that he just gets some sick enjoyment out of all of this. Yeah. Like, he's got so much money, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's just points to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's a genuinely terrifying visit. So that's uh, that. my little freak out done, I promise. Okay, go 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 on now. Get it, bring us to the WWE. But yeah, no, th- yeah, this guy's a great villain. So anyway, they get him in in baker street he's at holmes's house and they have this whole conversation he's saying you know uh and holmes offers him the amount of money it's what seven thousand pounds yeah he's like a million damn dollars yeah he's like there's absolutely you know there's no way she can pay this come on man like can you we will give you this amount of money if you just you know if you back you're still getting your money you know it's it's right and he's like nope i'm i i don't see what's so hard about this like i i gave you the amount and if she doesn't want to pay it that's just how it's gonna be that's fine and i think and and, and then at that moment i think he's holmes just kind of like all right watson bar the door and they try to like i think the idea is to forcibly take the his notebook from him or whatever and milverton's just like what are you doing like I, i'm not gonna bring it with me i'm not an idiot you know Dog. yeah and uh and then he reveals that he has a gun that milverton has a gun and he's like you don't want to this is just gonna be messy all, all around and and at this point this guy watson who i guess doesn't have his gun on him at the moment picks up a chair and nope. says he basically is just like i picked up a chair i was ready to hit him with it <laughs> like i didn't have my gun but you know and and then holmes calls him off and he's like all right fine you know whatever let's just and lets him go yeah, but I just thought it was fucking hilarious that Watson picked up a chair. <laughs> it was such a great image. It's like, well, it just like... escalates so fast. It just goes yeah. from zero to a hundred, just like that, and then stays at a hundred, kind of, for the rest of the story. 
it really does. It does not de-escalate <laughs> from here. No. But the only way it could possibly improve, and I'm, I'm 100% sure that in any modern adaptation we would get this, is if Milverton reveals he's got a piece, which I admit threw me for a loop, and is pretty practical thinking, considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, sure. like, so Holmes realizes this isn't going as he planned, and just says to Watson, Watson, why don't you offer the gentleman a seat? And then, <laughs> and then Watson just... <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Honestly, this is another source of dissatisfaction with this story, because Holmes is kind of a dumbass in this scene. Like, I I honestly, I thought that Holmes' behavior during all of this, which was very, like, blundering and obvious, I thought he was, like, feeling out Milverton, like, the whole Mm -hmm. situation, just trying to get a feel for what's going on. And then it turns out, like, full nope, like, Milverton just plain beat them. In yeah. the first, in the opening moves of the game, which mm-hmm. is is very satisfying, but it does require something of a power downgrade on Holmes's part, vis-a-vis in deduction and and such. Right. The yeah. The whole uh, going forward from here is kind of just. It does sort of seem the way he goes about trying to solve, not really solve the mystery, but go about his next actions almost seem heavy-handed it does they kind of are almost like in the stray brand. It's like, oh well, I couldn't, yeah. you know, get it out of him. I I failed. In this, in this first step with Lady Eva trying to bri- or get him a smaller amount of money. Right. But, and so now, obviously, my next step is to just steal the letter straight from his yeah. house. As a negotiator. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, there's, there's no strategy. There's no, you know, real, like, clever plan or anything like that. It's literally just like, well, I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta go take him. Let's go burgle this dude. From his home. Yeah. You know? Well, because <laughs> in any other story, and again, in any other modern adaptation, which is, I, I know, a recurring point of contention, in this whole endeavor we're undertaking that like we are so conditioned by what we think Sherlock Holmes ought to be by a hundred years of adaptations right. and not enough years of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, by the way, the third Sherlock Holmes is going to be a Western and I don't know whether to be excited about that or not, but I'm sure as hell going to see it. Uh, that, Casey. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> you know you want to see Jude Law in a cowboy hat. I very much do. But, God, at what cost? <laughs> I don't know. Well, my, I... my, my point was that in any modern adaptation, uh, Milverton would leave and Watson would say, yo, WTF, and Sherlock <laughs> would say, oh, yes, I was in control the whole time because I have learned uh, to control my face-regulating autonomic responses as to appear <laughs> clueless. It took 20 minutes. I did it one time on our lunch break after that alligator robbed that bank. And so he was secretly in control of the situation right. the whole time. It's just, I don't know. But, it's, but no, not really. Uh, no, and, not really. And then you find out later he goes, uh, he he leaves, um, he kind of is just like, oh, well, I'll be in and out the, the next few days. And over the course of like a week or a couple of weeks, he visit he makes visits to Milverton's house and you find Correct. out later that he's going in disguise as a plumber to get, like, uh, of course, you know, as you do. Um, I wonder <laughs> if he thought... What's a poor kind of person to be? <laughs> right? like, what's some average layperson that I could easily, you know, like, you need you need plumbing. You, you need it. Like, just trust That's me. That's true. Um, he didn't order a plumber. He didn't ask for one. It's just like, hi, I'm here. You, nope. You, you a plumber just showed up. And you'd have to assume, like, Milverton was just like, did I? I guess. Come on in. You know, like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was a smart gamble. He was assuming he'd be a rich asshole, not not in tune with the actual workings of his household. The ve- these vents are not modern at all. They, yeah, they need to be between the door, the, between the ho- the fucking rooms. Yes, <laughs> your vents need to be between the rooms, not facing to the outside. Exactly. No, trust me, this is the latest. This is the latest shit. in ventilation yeah. <laughs> technology. So yeah, he he comes home after a week of this skullduggery, 
apparently engaged yeah. to a housemaid. Yeah, apparently integral to his plan was getting so close to one of the servants that he becomes yeah. engaged to them. And it, again, it's kind of off-brand for him, it would a seem, you know? It's a little, I don't know, it's not so much off-brand as, like, he's definitely not above... Yeah, I guess, I don't know, the line between using people and just getting and lying to get information out of them like yeah. he does it's well, the thing wiggly. is the thing is he does it a lot in it's like kind of a trope where he'll dress up as some person yeah to, like like he did in uh the irene adler story with to get to talk to the groomsmen with the horses he dresses up as one of them to gain their trust obviously like it makes sense but mm-hmm. like freaking getting engaged to somebody i feel like kind of a dick move it like, kind of crosses the line there a little like, bit really could have they don't try to address or rectify it later on watson says well, but the girl, Holmes. And mm-hmm. Holmes says, and here I quote, shrug emoji. Yeah. Yeah. He's just kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, which I kind of, I kind of admire that, like, we see Detective Holmes so much that we don't really see, like, no, I took on a job. I am a negotiator for this yeah. woman, and I have failed to negotiate with words. I will therefore proceed to negotiate with punching. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's not a detective story. It's an action story. It's it really an adventure. Is. Yeah, it is a straight up adventure, and story. that's fine. Um, I yeah. recently watched the new Hellboy with David Harbor, and mm-hmm. Hellboy is extremely near and dear to my heart. I care about it a lot. And yeah. when it was announced that it was coming out, I was cautiously optimistic because it was more Hellboy than I was going to get. Is that this year? Yeah, it came out this year. Oh wow, okay. And the reviews were terrifically unkind. But I watched it, and it was fun. It was fine. I like David Harbour's take on it a lot. Again, it was more Hellboy than I would have gotten. But the point is, David Harbour took a lot of crap, essentially just for not being Ron Perlman, a sin of which we are all guilty. <laughs> and and his his whole thing was like, yeah, if you're measuring my movie, if you're trying to see how much it tastes like chocolate... It's not, and it's actually made of delicious bacon or whatever. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Stop right. trying to stop judging it by how chocolatey it is, and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. And I think when you look at this story like that, uh, it it turns into a lot more of a fun romp. Right. Yeah. Is, Once you realize it's not, there's not going to be any like big clever reveal no, moment. There's type no of deduction the gotcha thing. It's just you gotta just gotta let go and ride along on this adventure where we while we burger this burger this blackmailer's house yeah that's right yeah it's also it's also a really fun reversal of position because holmes is the one who's always in command and it's always other people who are having to you know resort to shit okay Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you take over from here if you want to just take the controls and here's the hat here's the (laughs) monocle go ahead and wrap here's the burgling kit oh man this is heavy all right put this boa around your neck go ahead so holmes reveals that he has become engaged to Milverton's maid. He's got his in. Like you do. He knows the layout of his house. He's all set to go, and he has to he has to burgle it. He has to burgle his house. He's you know he, it's the only way. Apparently, Milverton is too smart. He's got yep. too many you know tentacles out on the in London. Whatever. Burglar He's, gonna burgle. We got to do it. And Watson's like, well, you know, I don't I don't like it, but if we got to do it, we got to do it. I'm ready. When, when are we going? And Holmes is like, what? Wait, you're not coming. This is gonna be me. And Watson's like. Uh, the hell I am. Like, he's like, and Watson just kind of buckles down. It's the, one of my favorite exchanges in the canon, uh, occurs, which is Watson saying, well, I don't like it, but I suppose it must be. When do we start? 
and and Holmes says you're not coming, and Watson says then you are not going. Yeah, <laughs> I give you or... my word of honor, and I've never broken it in my life that I will take a cab straight to the police station and give you away unless you let me share this adventure with you. Yep. And I think that's hysterical. It really just is. Watson straight up. You don't often see Watson just straight up telling Holmes no, like not, but. Of all the times to do it, this is probably one of the best ones, I think. Yeah, this was the time to play that card. Yeah. And to to Holmes's credit, and really speaking to Watson's level of power in their relationship, mm-hmm. it it works, which yeah. I would not have predicted. Yeah, Holmes kind of just stops for a second, he's taken a bit off guard, and then he just kind of laughs like, yeah, all right, you know what, you're right, what was I thinking? Like, not yeah. inviting you. Fair enough. <laughs> you know? Like, well silly played. me, of course. And he immediately just switches modes to like all right so anyway here's my burgling kit we can yes. make some masks it just immediately involves it like yeah it's yeah of so course good. Like, yeah watson yeah. says he can make them burgling masks out of black silk which you just have your lying around your house i guess that notion is so laden with implication and i just <laughs> i want to know everything i didn't think of that but now i can't stop thank you <laughs> yeah why does he have black silk sufficient to, to make no. masks? Why does he know how to sew silk, which I assume is different from sewing regular cloth that is not made from magic worms? I don't know. It's, it's like yeah. the sewing, he's a surgeon. I can, I can see that. Sure, but, hmm, hmm. So Holmes produces, and here I quote, a first class up to date burgling kit, which makes me so happy. Just the idea that like, oh, the 1904s are out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. With every modern improvement, which the march of civilization demands. Because crime, Nicholas, as we know, is a part of human society. And therefore, yeah. crime must evolve alongside society. Now. Of course. I have done some research. Yes. Let's hear it. Oh my gosh. Circa 1904, a first class burgling kit would have included a jemmy, which is mentioned later and is a sort of baby crowbar, mm-hmm. a glass cutter, lockpicks, a stethoscope, gloves, and a telescopic turtle candle snuffer. Now, there yes. was a fad. You of... Wait, okay. First, I just want to real quick... Sure. Just, I need to confirm. Casey, are you what? making this up? No, the thing I am about to tell you is a true thing. Okay, all right. I just wanted... To... I'm very gullible. No, that's reasonable, and and I have abused that in our relationship for uh, my own entertainment. So uh, there was a fad of early security systems being that you would get a turtle, more specifically a tortoise, you would put it in your home. A live animal. A live animal. You would put a candle on its back. You would, you know, melt some wax on there, put the candle on the tortoise's shell, and then the tortoise would wander around your home at night and make it appear as though you had someone walking around your home with lights on guard and such and similar. You gotta be joking. No, hundred percent. What is it true. called? Look it up. You can. You could just just look up turtle candle security. I'm not, turtle. Turtle candle, candle security. Is this a Victorian only thing? Uh, not to my knowledge. I think it was a fairly wide practice. I'm just getting ads for candles. Thank you. Welcome. Illuminate your life, Nicholas. Victorian turtle candle. I just you gotta be you gotta be making this up. I'm not. I promise oh my I'm not. Gosh. Okay. Alright. Victorian style candle Yeah, no, I'm still not getting anything. But you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and believe yeah. <laughs> that fair. sounds like well, the Victorians did some really weird, yeah. bizarre, hilarious well, shit. Of, I mean, 
parts of what I say are lies, but that's always true. <laughs> but the the turtle candle system did exist. So okay, All we right. get to another point. Holmes asks Watson. Do you have a pair of silent shoes? Which is a phrase that makes me very happy for reasons I can't exactly pin down. Let me just put on my silent shoes so I can go over this jog. And Watson is stealth jogging. And Watson says he has rubber-soled tennis shoes, which, that opens up a whole can of worms, but I looked into that. So, sneakers as we recognize them were invented, apparently, in the early 1800s for use on British Navy ships. Which makes complete sense. You're yes, on a it does. Deck. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, by 1892, they had hit the public market and were called plimsolls, which I Wonderful. realize as I say it out loud sounds like a thing I would make up, but it's not. Um, <laughs> there is a line on a ship called the plimsoll line, which is apparently mm. like how low in the water the ship can safely get or something like that. So they put a line on the shoe which was equivalent. Yeah. That's like how deep you could make your foot before it would get all wet in your steppers, and that would be terrible. Okay, wait, um, but how... Wait, how is it marketed to the public, though? Because Watson, the character... Doyle yeah. served on ships, but Watson, the character, never... He wasn't in the Marines. He was just no. in the regular Army. So why did, Why would he go out... Was it, like, an exercise shoe? Yeah, exactly. That's it. Okay. They were invented in the early 1800s, used by the Navy. By 1892, they were on the public market, marketed specifically as athletic shoes. Okay. They were yep. ambidextrous. There was no, there was no oh. left or right. Yeah. Oh, so ugly. <laughs> exactly. And, and they were called sneakers because they were silent compared to hard soled shoes. So. Right. That makes sense. Okay. One second. Victorian rubber sole. That's true. There was, there was not a single lie in that bit I told you as opposed to the several lies, uh, in the last bit. No, this I absolutely believe. Let's see it. I want to see it with my own two eyes though. I spent a solid half hour looking for like real origin information on this mm-hmm. and, it, and the record is surprisingly thin. Really? For rubber sole shoes? For rubber sole shoes? You'd think there would be a detailed, I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay Maybe money they didn't for historical journals. Maybe start being journals. a big hit until later, like the twenties or something. Could very but, well be. Uh, yeah, they they are ugly, in fact. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they really kind of just look like other Victorian shoes. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of one of those things that like you didn't really think of as being around back then, but it totally yeah. was. Like it was, like, what it was, was a real um, yeah, like the underground, the, the underground, yeah. It was a real moment like that where I just thought, no, that, surely not. That, there were no people alive then. How could they be tennis (laughs) shoes? I don't. They were still wearing togas. They break into something, they slip into something rather, a little more break and interish. And Mm -hmm. Holmes remarks, as we have remarked, uh, that they have a natural bench for a life of crime. I know, immediately, it's just like, you know what, you know what, like, uh, right as soon as he agrees to let Watson come along, he's like, you know what, I've always fancied myself as being, like, I could be a really good crimesman if I wanted to, like, just yeah. really good, you know, and so Holmes is just ready, he's yeah, just fucking ready, he's got a whole Apple kit, yeah. Towers. Yeah, the letters are apparently uh, kept in a safe in the anteroom of Milverton's bedroom. Uh, Holmes mm-hmm. knows knows this courtesy of, quote, Agatha, uh, that's my fiancé, and then he just moves <laughs> on, and she gets, she gets one he's, passing reference. He's so cold and indifferent about the, it's just this poor girl. Like, For real. I can't imagine he even bothered to, like, break up with her after this. 
No, like, he just he... disappeared. He just vanished from her life. And can you imagine a world in which this poor, nice young housemaid is like, oh, I met a nice young man tonight. Oh, what sort is he? Oh, I think he might secretly be a detective using me to get to near to my master. <laughs> it's just like, what? Where do you? Why does she have to worry about that? <laughs> I just, just, I don't. My only consolation is that at one point Holmes mentions that he his plumber character has a rival for her affections okay. so i'm like okay you know at least after he just completely abandons her without any word whatsoever or notice she's yep. got some other dude waiting in the way it's like yeah. all right you know that was nice you know, of team, you Holmes. team edward asshole, but... withdraws from the stage and see team jacob takes over sure this is another another point where i was i mean it's it's really it's really arrogant to me of of me to say i was disappointed in this sherlock holmes story <laughs> possibly the greatest selling work of english literature in history <laughs> but like to me as they're they're preparing they're breaking into appledore uh they're sneaking they're snacking to me this is clearly a trap I would, Nicholas, I would have bet you 100 yeah. human dollars that this was a trap. And gang, it ain't. It's just a thing they're doing. It's fine. Right. There's really a lot of just like slightly off stuff that you're thinking like, are you really walking in it? Like the, there's a yeah, they one just... point where like a door wasn't locked or something and Watson points it out and there's just all, and like then Milverton's not in his bedroom. And so you're like, okay, you know, it yeah. just is all, yeah, you know, I totally get that. It totally sets itself up like, something yeah like it's a trap like it's a huge like this is way too easy basically they get in with hardly any problems he uses the glass cutter on like the greenhouse door or whatever which conveniently leads into the house he snuffs the turtle candle yeah he snuffs the turtle candle you know you gotta catch the turtle it's not it's not hard they're slow um and then they make their way into his room and they don't encounter any they encounter a cat at one point and it's like oh the cat oh haha you know lol and they make it into his safe no problem home start it was a lull safe open it's okay they get to the safe. They get to the safe, Casey. They get to the <laughs> get to the safe, and yeah, no, it's just going super easy, and you're just kind of like, what, what could, what is going to happen? What is possibly going to happen? Yeah. And then Milverton shows up, um, and just kind of hangs out in the room for a bit, and you think he, and he shows up, and you think, okay, he's immediately going to notice the door is slightly ajar, right? To the safe. He's immediately going to just raise the alarm, whatever. Like this is it. He's going to get him, and then he doesn't. He just kind of sits down and starts reading a letter or something yeah. he reads one of his papers and they're Smoking. just kind of standing there behind this curtain like what yeah what, it, what's going on just like in suspense and they are literally holding hands and they are comfort. holding hands the whole time yeah it's... like really just from well they have to hold hands by necessity when they're moving through the house because only homes can navigate it in the dark so it's like okay yeah no homo, you know yeah you know, lead your buddy along and but then like they're stuck behind the curtain and it's a stressful situation, and Watts and Holmes kind of just like he grabs Watson's hand and squeezes it to like kind they of do, just yeah they do the I love you three yeah just wordlessly yeah. let him know that like don't worry buddy I like I got this it's under control you know it's really cute don't freak out and it's just, it's, it's adorable I love it, it I love really that is. yeah and I love that they needed I I, I love that that Holmes needed to memorize the layout because it would be really easy it's really easy to treat Sherlock as a character as just like a Swiss army knife that can do whatever but one of the things I like about the actual stories is that Mm -hmm. he does have as we spoke about he does sometimes have very clearly defined limitations and one thing I like is that in this story it wasn't just like ah yes I have trained myself to see in the dark don't worry about when let's just go but like that they actually dealt with the mechanics of okay well how would you go about sneaking through a house at nighttime without being observed first you kill the turtle then you you know befriend the housemaid whatever and (laughs) 
and it's 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 a nice humanizing moment. Uh, I did that did not occur to me either. Was that specifically stated that they had to hold hands because Watson couldn't see? Um, or was it, that just something you put together? It's, it's kind of like well, it well Watson obviously doesn't know the, the, layout, the layout of the house. So, yeah, yeah. Holmes I don't think I put that together. To lead him along. It's, I it's, thought it's stated that Holmes has better night vision than Watson does, right? Because of all um, the cocaine. Because, you know, uh, it just has that side effect. Uh, rarely talked about side effect. Um, yeah. That's why then, you had but, to wear sunglasses at night in the 80s. Yeah. But, but why the, yeah, yeah, that's why. Got that one in. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're proud of yourself. Uh, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, the whole like him squeezing Watson's hand, uh, was just purely just to comfort him. Basically. Yeah. Basically. That's, that's what I got from it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, a, a terrifying penny drops which mm-hmm. is that they left that safe open and if they can see it from behind a curtain <laughs> milverton can certainly see it definitely just, yeah and and it's this is another i i really don't want to make it sound like i didn't like this story because i did there i yeah. just feel like it didn't serve itself very well because milverton is set up to be this absolute genius mm-hmm. and then spectacularly fails to be so a number of times right um, yeah like this one, he never knows that Holmes and Watson are there ever. He never mm. knows that his safe was open, uh, yeah. because because of events that will transpire directly. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he. So basically, what happens next is they're stuck behind this curtain. Milverton's sitting around. They wait for him to do whatever he's gonna do, and then he's. It's it's revealed uh, slowly that he is waiting for somebody, mm-hmm. and then the person shows up, and it's a lady. And he's like, oh, you know, you're kind of late. Is there any other time you could have met me? Whatever. It's like, I didn't stay up. And she uh, turns out to be someone that he blackmailed in the past. We don't know who yet. She's not identified. Right. She's described physically, but you don't know who she is. And um, and then she just shoots him like eight yeah. times. She just she whips just out a gun and him. really just murders him good yeah. right there. And they see this. <laughs> They're behind the curtain the whole time. And then she just kind of leaves. And then they just kind of like, well, they don't leave. Well, then as soon as she leaves, Holmes kind of just improvises and shoves all the letters into the fire. And so he just burns everything from the safe, which is, you know, great. And then they just leave. And that's kind of the end. And then they go home. Like she, that's just what happens. And, uh, you, did you, did you want me to go and just like wrap up the rest of the story or do you want to go ahead and, Say why you? I've got a, I've got a couple thoughts. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> there, there really is this great moment where she does. She just opens up on the cat and perforates him. Yep. And and Watson, to his credit, and that's probably like his doctor instincts kicking in right, or something. Yeah. Is like, like oh, I what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And Holmes and Holmes says, "Hold on, let's see how this plays out." Just right. you know, like, like, wait a second. <laughs> he's like, "Well, that was a freebie." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and he throws all the blood. Now, something we haven't really covered is. We know this guy is a criminal of, of of an astounding grade and class. So why hasn't anyone moved against him? And the answer being, of course, that if anyone were to attempt to, he would pull their triggers. He mm-hmm. would he would say, "Okay, you have exposed me for all of my unlawful deeds at the cost of your own information being exposed." And right. his essential gamble is that no one is willing to take that chance. Which yeah. is a, a very bold move and has paid off uh, up until this point. Because most yeah. blackmail, like all of the blackmail he is implied to have, very mm. little of it is legal. 
like there's not it's not that he has people he has evidence people have committed crimes it's right. all personal embarrassing stuff right like this is people's personal mail which it's illegal to have so yeah. So, and it just the implication is that it's like, it's the very fabric of weird, pretentious British Victorian society and its obsession yeah. with propriety and class and stuff like that. Mm. That's what gives him his power. He is a natural product of the environment that they have assembled and voluntarily live in, mm. which is... It's kind of fascinating, honestly. It really to think about. is. That, like, yeah. they created they created a power vacuum... And he just stepped forward to occupy and take advantage of it, because if it wasn't him, it was going to be somebody else. Right. And in that way, it's kind of easy to see where he's like, hey, this ain't my fault. Maybe if y'all didn't write saucy letters to people you ain't engaged to, this wouldn't happen. Mm. And it's it's really interesting that there was this this set of circumstances just waiting for someone to take advantage of it. And in that way, I can see it being something that Holmes would have done. Not this specific thing, not literally, yeah. <laughs> you know, blackmail hundreds of people, but right. like, it's, it's the kind of thing that he would see a pre-existing system that yeah. no one had just taken advantage of yet. And I, and I, I, like, intellectually, he could if he wanted to. Oh yeah. To. It's very, Holmes is very much that, a character who, it would be so easy for him to just be a bad guy. He's yeah. smart enough, you know, he, if he weren't on the side of the law, basically, everyone would be in trouble, Correct. you know? Or like, at least if his own personal justice system, didn't line up with what was socially considered, you know, right and wrong. Yeah. Everyone would just be screwed because he's so, you know, good at yeah. what he does. Um, it and... is a very good thing that he uses his powers for good instead of for awesome. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is what, you know, this guy is, is kind of, and he, and Milverton is the whole time just 100% convinced that he's kind of just, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing, at least yeah. to himself. Like he, he sleeps at night, basically, you yeah. know. He's not, he has no guilt or shame whatsoever about what he's doing, um, which is, which, which is scary. And, you know, and it's I, kind of, I mean, it's kind of an interesting look at the, the amorality of inherent, it's kind of inherent to capitalism. Like, he doesn't see what he's doing, he, he doesn't see that as entering into the question of right or wrong. He sees it as a purely mechanical thing. These are mm -hmm. the circumstances that are happening, and this is the series of events that will happen if you fail to do this. And he, he really doesn't see it as interplaying with any kind of moral thing. Like you said, he sleeps at night. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, I mean, that's an indicator of sociopathy. That's which, mm -hmm. which again, makes him a shadow to Holmes. So many of these villains these oneers that we yeah. get every adventure and then uh they get perforated by victims or they get hauled off and uh demanded to be treated like the royalty they believe themselves <laughs> to be that guy i want to know more about that guy that guy but, was great yeah so many of these villains are shadow selves of holmes they're they're reflections of what he could be in his various capacities and instances right and um yeah, like like you said earlier, it's just it is a good thing for everybody that he has decided for whatever reason that it's it's because let's let's not let's not mince words. Sherlock and morality don't really go together. He's just decided it's more fun to be on the side of law, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I mean, right now, like, yeah, firsthand proof of that. Right now, he's literally breaking into someone's house to burgle from them. It happens yeah. to be a very bad guy, but it could just as easily be anyone. You yeah. know, he can do it. He did it. You know, he's in the safe. <laughs> like, you know, you see firsthand that he is yeah, capable of this. Yeah. But, yeah. So the next day, um, Lestrade shows up, says, hey, 
this cat got like super killed <laughs> and we would really like your help with this if possible mm-hmm. we have two we have two suspects who i will describe thoroughly yet somehow not connect that they look exactly like you guys <laughs> This scene is so good. It's honestly, it's so funny. Yeah, no, Lestrat comes in, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy got super murdered. Um, can you help us with the case? And Holmes is like, oh, you know what? Just... I'm really busy. And this guy was honestly kind of just a, he was kind of nasty anyway. I don't really feel bad. I, I'm kind of on the side of the, the murderer here in this, mm-hmm. in this case. Crimes and for then, life. And then they go, and yeah, and then Lestrade goes on to describe Watson in perfect detail. And he's uh, yeah. like, here's what one of the, what we we got an eyewitness one of the criminals kind of looked like this exactly. and Holmes is like oh well that you know that could be anyone that that might be a description of Watson so ha <laughs> you good. know it, it, I I love that I love that so Holmes much. you precious little <laughs> jackass yeah and Lestrade just like ah oh, well you know yeah all right, well, we'll try. yeah and, you're right yeah. we'll declare that this <laughs> yeah. wasn't a crime crime canceled I guess we'll throw yep, that one out over. guess oh, we'll, we'll never know but yeah it's it's good and yeah it kind of just fizzles out with Holmes being like you know it he, he had it coming he yeah. <laughs> In in the words, in the immortal words of the very wise and also handsome Dylan Spencer, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a bullet right through your, through your chest. <laughs> yeah, take that to the bank. So they have lunch, and then Holmes, in classic Holmes fashion, mm-hmm. just leaps up and grabs Watson by the hand, and they race down like Elphaba and Glinda in the Emerald City. <laughs> but they go to the, uh, like, the headshot gallery, which... Sure. Um, yeah, and yeah. find, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Thing. I don't know. Well, I mean, it would make sense in Victorian England to have somewhere where you could see, there's no Google. You can't be That's like, true. oh, what does the queen look like? And know instantly. It's, you gotta, yeah. like, I'm sure they'd have, you know approved pictures or portraits or whatever. That's a point. That's fair. Well, And it lines up with something we read in one of the earlier stories. I forget which one. But where Holmes looked up some rich guy. There was like a registry of rich people and royal people. So you could like figure out who was related to whom and etc. But anyway, they go and they find find a picture that Holmes realizes is the lady uh, who came and fed Milverton a lead salad. Um, and it is the wife of a great nobleman and statesman who apparently died of a broken heart. And then we get a big old, the end? Question mark? Right. Ex- except, yes, it is. It is very much the end. Yeah. A very vague, rich, famous person that yeah. we never name by name because this nope. is, you know, we have to be, uh, confidential here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and then that's it. It's like, she, they don't really, there's not really much of a, case honestly no. it's not really it's a mystery just, at all it's, it's just kind of something just a... that happened doyle really loves his revenge stories honestly and i like reading them so i yeah. mean i honestly up, but... same so i guess if you go into the story not expecting a mystery <laughs> yeah you know uh see, which that's, is like that's the thing yeah i no, I, I get it though it. Yeah. i was gonna read it i was gonna read it at work today before mm-hmm. we um before we did this but i had to you know work um and, and i think if i read it a second time not waiting for it to be because you go into a Sherlock Holmes story and you expect certain things. You expect Holmes to magically be uh like master level competent in a skill he's never demonstrated before. You expect right. Watson to pick up on some medical oddity and and you expect a, an exchange of wits with the bad guy and mm-hmm. none of that happens. That doesn't mean it's a bad story. And right. if you if you read it on its own merits, you're probably going to have a pretty good time. Man, Doyle did not know how to end a story, did he? No, no. Like, there's no, there's no denouement. Really. There's just, very little wrap-up. 
I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the brevity. I kind of like it's just like, who said all there is to say, you know, yeah. so long, peace. You know, I, I, I kind of like that. I mean, they so are short that. stories. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a point. But, it, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can totally understand going into like a Sherlock Holmes story and mm-hmm. expecting a mystery. It, it makes perfect sense. It's like, of course you're going assumption. to. Yeah. And then when you don't get it, it's kind of just like, okay, so what, all right, like that was not what I was expecting. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't really what I was expecting. Right. And I get, is that kind of what you're, that is, yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I've, what I've come around to in the course of talking about this. So I, Mm. I, I think I'm going to be gentler and kinder toward it. Aren't I, aren't I, aren't I so gracious, the jackass talking about (laughs) one of the greatest hundred plus year old literature, you know, like I won't at the author on Twitter this time. And let him know what a terrible job he did. You know? Thumbs up. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot more looking back in that light. The only thing, and I, I mentioned earlier, I think that our our cultural inclinations, given what media has taught us to expect and how to enjoy itself, mm. um, has kind of ill-served us here because... I always want to know more. I always want the villain to show up in three more stories. I want everything yeah. to be interconnected. I want everything to culminate in all of the bad guys coming together in a kind of anti-Avengers to try to take Holmes down. Because right. that's just, that's kind of how our culture has worked for a long time now. And, like, there's no obligation for that. Like, Doyle could just come up with a crazy idea for a red-headed dude who believes that he is royalty and deserves to be treated as such, but instead he's going to rob a bank by tunneling under it. And that is all I know about that guy. <laughs> right. And that's, yeah. that's fair. It's true. Yeah, we, the way that series or even, like, you know, iconic characters have evolved, it's, I don't know, there's, there's just so much more interaction between fans and authors these days yeah where it's like there's so many more expectations where when you think of the sherlock Holmes stories like they weren't just like he didn't just sit down one year and just crank out like a few series of sherlock Holmes stories with like references back to old stuff like he referenced back to stories that you didn't see because it doesn't matter Um, exactly it's not sherlock holmes phase three coming right like yeah it's so spread out and none of the stories are really interconnected they're kind of just once you see them as like a collection of stories that he just wrote independently over the span yeah. of a really long time. Just because he got an idea. Yeah, it's kind of like, I, I totally get, though, going into it expecting some kind of continuity that you don't really ever get that much. Yeah. Other than the fact that it's the same characters. Really, I think you will like, or at least, you know, I I think the one thing you'll like about The Final Problem and mm-hmm. the those, uh, uh, and the return of Sherlock Holmes is that mm-hmm. they are actually the only two short stories that are connected mm-hmm. uh plot wise like they're they're basically can be read as just one long story mm-hmm. uh even though he wrote them i think there was a gap of like 10 or 20 there was a huge gap in between right but they're connected well because because when he wrote the final plot the final problem rather his in <laughs> his intention was to kill off holmes for good yeah. right he yeah he did not want to bring Holmes back he had no intention of it so when right. he had to write the story describing how he came back he had to really look at that story and think about how he was gonna tie them together um but that's really the only one that you get and there's a lot of people who uh kind of describe the homes that comes back after the final problem is a different homes than in the first half of the second second stage homes yeah yeah and i don't really know i mean i guess i can kind of see you could I it I'll I'll be interested to hear what you think uh if you can kind of tell that Holmes was done with or that Doyle was done with Holmes mm-hmm. at that point and was kind of just writing the stories for money versus actual right. you know enjoyment uh which is kind of a bummer but 
uh yeah where was i going with this i don't know um but yeah uh there's definitely there are a good amount of the stories that like enough of the stories are actual mysteries Mm -hmm. that it's not just like but i I, yeah for the most part it does kind of tends more doyle was definitely a i want to write adventure stories type of person right and thinking of plots and mysteries for everyone as someone who is like doesn't really consider themselves a detective writer mm-hmm. is hard you know it's like if you just want to like watch people get shot and like you know put out something exciting then Doyle's great at that but yeah for someone going into Sherlock Holmes it's reasonable to expect a mystery every time right and when you don't get it it's kind of like but but wait like where's the smart you know, yeah no yeah. i totally understand where's, where where's you're coming the from. where's the mental chess going on there's right. also something something that occurs to me just now which is that we think of short stories like okay so my my favorite some of my favorite books the dresden files there are a mm-hmm. bunch of short stories he's released two collected volumes of them and like there's a little preface with each one saying this was originally released in Omnia, this one was released in Fangoria magazine or whatever, and like I'm reading those, I'm like, well, where, the, how the fuck was I supposed to know those were in there? Like, yeah. how was I, how was I, as the intended recipient and collector, the special boy for whom this story is meant? Mm-hmm. How how was I supposed to know to look in this specific magazine? And and it occurs to me that that's a very modern sort of collectivist attitude toward media where we act like and there's been a lot of talk in the last couple years about what relationship and what level of ownership the fans have over a given property be it you know uh the one where they got mad that their magic space wizards was girls now or (laughs) um you know any any damn number of things and like at the time, female Ghostbusters. <laughs> I could not possibly. Come. That was a fun movie. It was such a good movie. I loved it. Was, it. I liked it, it more than the original really Ghostbusters. Pretty. It was yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was gorgeous. That's all a damn movie is obligated to be. But the point yeah. is, like, and I, I, I don't know that there's no conversation to be had between between creators and fans. Ultimately, I feel like if you don't like the thing, you don't have to consume it. Go to hell. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I also get that your fans are worth listening to. That said. Like, during Doyle's time, I, I don't think you and I have a proper cultural understanding of what a force of literature the short story was before. Because, like, when I hear short stories, I think, oh, a collected volumes of short stories about Harry Dresden, who is a wizard. But, like, mm-hmm. you just sent them to a magazine, and they published them. And it yeah. was like, oh, yeah, I wrote 40 short stories. They are completely unrelated and unconnected, and you can't find half of them. That's just how life works. Yeah. And so... Like, at that time, if you spoke to someone else and you're like, hey, you ever read any of the Sherlock Holmes stories? Well, first of all, nobody reads magazines anymore. I don't read magazines. Do you read magazines, Nicholas? Not, not really, no. No. Yeah. Like, I had one. I read Game Informer for, like, ten years and then stopped. I mean, if I see one, I think I exclusively read magazines when I'm in the, like, doctor's rating room. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, so that's that's the reason that we primarily experience short stories in collected and omnibus formats now. But for for the longest time... It was like, hey, do you read this magazine where this gamut of authors is published? And it's not so much that you would follow a single author as like, oh, I'll get the new Omni. Oh, there's a Stephen King story in here this month. Mm-hmm. What a yeah. lucky happenstance. Yeah, and they'd lead, like, they'd, it would be on the cover page, whoever the exactly. famous author was, you know, like, or a new story from Arthur Conan Doyle, you know. And you'd see that and you'd buy it, it and you'd have all the other read. stories you could read them or not, but you were buying yeah. it for him. Exactly, and yeah. so, like, if you didn't have access to those back issues of whatever, then you just read the Sherlock Holmes stories you could get your hands on and counted yourself lucky. Right. So, 
if you just ran into some guy and was like, hey, you like Sherlock Holmes too. Did you ever read the one where they did this? No, I've literally never heard of that because it was published <laughs> once in a magazine yeah. 10 years ago that's never been reprinted. And right. that's, It'd be interesting to know when in history, like, collected... Uh, the, a collection of those particular stories started coming out. Yeah, when that released. fashion. Well, because like yeah. the serial novel was a thing for the longest time. So that's how Charles Dickens wrote. That's right. how. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of things were published sequentially and serially. But like, it, it does make sense that in in a format that was so fractured and non continuous and the reliability of which was severely suspect, that mm-hmm. that Doyle had to write things. That were just like, uh, one time, this thing happened, and then Holmes and Watson broke into a thing, and then the guy died. It was wild. Here, you can read about it. It's never gonna yeah. happen again. Yeah. And so it, it does, it does make more sense looking back on that. Cause like, looking with my modern lens, I wanted, uh, uh, Charles Augustus Milverton gets killed. Fine. That's cool. That was, uh, mm-hmm. that was out of left field. It was really wild. I did not expect it. It was great. Mm. But I want him to have had like, backup plans and in the event of my death contingencies and like well you know if these six people don't hear from me by noon a lot of really bad shit's gonna hit the newspaper right but yeah, uh, yeah go ahead kill me by all means and then it leads into a whole another arc series long exactly. arc where exactly. that, yeah yeah where they're fighting a dead man oh mm-hmm. it's so good i would like mm-hmm. that but i also i also understand you know d- through the lens of what we've kind of just uncovered. That's one of the things I love most about talking with this stuff, uh, talking about this stuff with you is that I like, I can think about this kind of stuff, you know, for the week leading up to when we record, but your perspectives on things and the things we come up with together are, are stuff that I just simply would not have come up with. <laughs> you're, you know, you're the, you're the turtle to my candle. I, I try. I don't really feel like I'm contributing nearly as much. I don't do any research usually. I mean. Oh, dog. No, I only do research because I can't think of anything interesting to say that isn't just jokes. Just stuff sometimes, yeah. No. I like Sherlock Holmes a lot. Yeah, there you go. And that, I feel like that makes you the more valuable partner in this <laughs> by a considerable margin. So that was uh, the adventure of Charles Augustus Milverton, whose name was changed to uh, Magnuson in the uh in the bbc version and i'd be interested to know if that was because of legal reasons or because milverton isn't a name to inspire fear <laughs> right yeah it honestly it's kind of a nerdy name it was uh, mostly yeah. pretty good uh i liked it fine and i like it better now that we've talked about it um well i love all of that historical information and fun tidbits that i just got about oh, that was candle turtles and yeah burgling kits yeah and only one of those was lies and it's not right. the one you'd think yeah <laughs> um this story story was good hated women more than a little bit but yeah, like they're, but like they're, not yeah for, for an acceptable like fair for its time average of misogyny i think yeah yeah which nothing is, too awful this time around it's disappointing and like i i think i think we can safely agree if there was a dude in the position of that housemaid, Holmes would have been like, well, I guess I'm going to be gay for a week. Right? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> he said, I would not have stopped him. No, no, no. He would have had no compunction at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's see what we're reading next time. What's let's see next? Here. Let me open up the canon here in my uh, project notebook, courtesy oh, of Evernote. Great. Not our sponsor, but if they'd like to be. <laughs> And so did you have something in mind for us next time or should I, um, not really. I mean, uh, let's see. I can roll, I can roll randomly. You know what? Yeah. This is going to be our eighth episode. 
So why don't we do one more random one, and then our 10th episode can be our very first guest episode. Uh, Dylan Spencer, um, great god of podcasting, has mm-hmm. called dibs on the story that he he said involved the orange pips. And I was like, that's going to be impossible to track down. But as I'm looking, there is a story called The Five Orange Pips. <laughs> so oh, yeah. And I guarantee you, whatever you think this story is about, it's not. I really enjoy that, actually. Very, very few of these go anywhere near where I thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. But until then, uh, so we'll do that for our 10th episode, Spectacular. And, um, until then, do we, so we have one more episode between now and then. Do you want to pick something for us or should I just have Siri choose as a random number? I can definitely just like point my finger at this collection and land. I'm the, we didn't do the solitary cyclist yet, did we? Okay. No, we did not. Solitary cyclist. It is. It's a fun one. Well, all right. Um, pod blemsters. Boy, that did not pull off the way I thought it would. Podler, um, podsters. Podlers. Pod, podsters. You know what? We can't do all the work here, guys. Come up with your own <laughs> fandom nickname. Whatever yeah, you call it. Whatever, yeah, come on, guys. Interact at us. So next time, uh, read the story, the name of which I've already forgotten. Something. It's, uh, oh, it's The Solitary Cyclist. It is The Solitary Cyclist. The... Uh, oh, this is the complete Sherlock Holmes volume two, but that means nothing because there's so many different collections. Exactly. Uh, it's the sol- in the, the Return of Sherlock cyclist. Holmes. In the Return of Sherlock Holmes, yes. it'll be free online. You can find it as always in the show notes. We will have posted a link to uh, the free ebook, possibly the free audiobook if it can be found. Uh, so until then, all our buddies, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can email us at thefinalpodblum at gmail.com. You can send us your thoughts, your questions, which thing I told Nicholas this episode you think was a lie. And we would love to hear uh, from you folks. Thank you for listening, all our buddies, if you are. Uh, we're doing this mainly because it's fun and we want to hang out together. But if you enjoy this at all, please do let us know. We would love to hear from you. Tell a friend if you like. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you, uh, insta- if your, if your method of expressing affection is not telling a friend or telling us, but instead telling us through dollars, which we is, absolutely accept. That is a form of affection that we readily accept. You can find <laughs> us at semi-automagic on patreon.com. And until then, all our buddies, don't go Sherlocking us out of your hearts. And don't get burgled. Don't get burgled. It's very easy. It. It's very easy. This is or why if you, you can, have to keep, don't get caught. Keep a fleet of turtles just roaming your house at all times on carefully timed rotations. You got to keep a lot of lettuce. Underestimated form of security. Yeah, man. Would you? Would you expect? Oh, that watchman turns out it was a turtle. No, absolutely not. Never. Nobody would see that coming. Also, I have to imagine that that method of home security was abandoned after all of the fires. Right. I mean, you have. <laughs> I immediately when I heard that, I was like, that has to be fake because curtains exist. Yeah. No. That's. that's but apparently reasonable. not. That's, of all the reasons to assume I was lying to you, that was a pretty reasonable one. But, uh, yeah. Okay, until then, all our buddies, uh, have a good week, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.